This morning, I want to speak to you about pride. How many people know what pride is? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Good to see you, Elder Small. Good to see you, my brother. Sister Linda, I'm so thankful of you because you have opened doors for everybody who wants to worship to come over here and worship. To God be the glory for your ministry. I'm so thankful. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father who is out in heaven, we are so thankful that you have called us to be here. Now, Father, I pray that may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you, God. You who is my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, we are going to learn, if I can have a little more over here, thank you. Give me a little more juice there. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 6. Book of Matthew chapter 6. There, there, there is a fellow. How many people know this guy here? How many of you know this guy? This guy's name is Joy, uh, Joey Chestnut. And Joey Chestnut holds the record for eating the most hot dogs in 10 minutes of anybody on planet Earth. People come from around the world to compete. This last year, he ate 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Now that is 20,000 calories. That's one hot dog every seven and a half seconds. You got to admire this guy. By the way, how many of you like hot dogs? Show me by lifting your hands. Amen. After he did the 75 hot dogs, he ate 179 chicken wings in 10 minutes. And he's not a big guy. Now, the reason that uh, it catches me is, A, I don't like hot dogs. And B, when they question him after he's done all these eating fits, they say, why do you do it? He always say two things. He says, this is my mission in life. To eat hot dogs and chicken wings faster than anybody else can gulp them down. This is my mission. Then he says, number two, this is what gives me significance. Can I ask you this morning, what is it that it's your mission? What is it that gives you your significance? What is it that gives you that this is why I'm here? Now, in, this, in the passage we're about to read in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, I want you to start with me at verse 9. I want you to notice very carefully what the Lord says here. Sometimes we refer to this as the Lord's prayer. And he didn't say, recite this prayer, although 
I think memorizing it is a good idea. But he doesn't say that. He said, use these words. He said, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thou be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want you to underscore these words. But deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. What this prayer is said is, Father, it's all about you, your name, your kingdom, your power, and deliver us from evil. Because all of a sudden, for significance in our lives, we start thinking that for me, life is all about me. For you, life is all about you. And suddenly, significance becomes whatever enters into your mind. And God says here, I want to deliver you from that evil. The Bible says there is a sin that started war in heaven. And is the sin of pride. When the devil decided and lifted up himself and five times he says, I will, I will, I will. And that pride now has come down to earth. This pride is every one of us has to battle is what gives most of us significance. Well, if I do say so, I'm proud of my career. I'm proud of how I look. I'm proud of what I have accomplished. I'm proud of what I own. I'm proud of my toys and, and, and I'm proud of. And suddenly, the very sin that started in heaven, the very sin that started war in heaven has grafted its way in. Now when Jesus enumerated the sins, the seven sins that he particularly despised, pride made the list. Pride was one of the uh, sins. When pride in our life or it gives us significance. That's why God says, deliver us from evil. It's not about my power. It's not about your power. It's not about your kingdom. Whatever that may be, it's about thy kingdom. And God says, I don't want you to get your significance with the pride the sin in your life. I want you to get your significance delivered from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you wonder whether God takes pride seriously, I want to say yes, he does. If you are only going to hear one thing this morning, we are about to read in the scriptures, God says, I will resist the proud. Do you understand? If you have pride in your life today, you have God against you. Now, no one in their right mind wants to live here with God against you or with God against them. But if you have pride, you have God against you. And people ask me all the time, they say, brother, we don't know how to explain what all is happening. You see people going to destroy the, the capital. They call themselves proud boys. I say, man, I don't know how to explain either. But I have a question for you. Have you got any pride in your life? What's that got to do with all this, brother? Well, the Bible says God will resist you. The all-powerful God, the God whom nothing is impossible said, if you have pride, I am against you. That is said to the Christian. Oh, brother, I don't think God means that. Oh, I promise you, he does mean it. That's why this is such an incredible thing. That's why it says, and deliver us from this evil of thinking it's about us and not about him. Turn to the book of James, if you would, please. Book of James, chapter, uh, chapter 4. I'm going to resist the pride. And please listen to me. If you don't fear pride, if you don't fear pride, you are seriously in trouble. Well, brother, I don't think I'm proud. That's a proud statement. Every one of us has to battle pride of somehow think this life is about me. And it's about, it's, it's about my goals and, and, and my dreams and the things I want and how I think it should go. And God says, deliver us, for thine is the kingdom and the power. And one of the things that I love about uh, this ministry over here at Garland, Garland Church, it's not about us, but God. The fact that it's, it's, it's not a man that has done this. You see this building here? It's not a man who has done this. It is God. If you look at this building, you are here to worship. We agree, right? We agree. You are here to worship. But God had to lead other people to put this plan together and then fall up with the plan and build this sanctuary. And, and we're still lucky to have some of those old saints. However, they were able to put this place for us. 
because there wasn't any pride in themselves. These buildings and this ministry exist for the glory of God. But I want you to look at what it says, starting at verse 4 in chapter 4, the book of James. When you read the book of James, remember this was written by the half-brother to our Savior Jesus Christ. This man would have grown up in the home with Jesus as a child. I just can't imagine what it would be like to grow up with a perfect brother. You hear your mother saying, can't you just be like your brother? <laughs> James 4, chapter 4, verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The only way to defeat pride is through humility. If you can't exalt humility in your life, then pride will come in and take that vacuum and will handle it. If you are going to do it, please write these four things down. Number one, the scripture is clear from this passage. It cannot be done in our strength. Note what it says, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. It's God who does it. You are sitting here right now saying, how do I get rid of the pride in my life? It's humanly impossible. Paul said, without him, you can't do nothing. But God says, I want to help you. But it starts with grace. If you're going to do it, then you got to do the second thing that resists the devil. Look at verse 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, the way I get rid of pride is by humility. But if I don't humble myself, pride is unstoppable. But I've got to resist the devil. Now, my grandparents had a home in the country. And we really enjoyed spending time there with them, out there in the country. One day, we are in... Uh, in our home, and my grandmother said, uh, something is running around in the attic on top of the roof. Grandpa said, well, that's a problem because we don't have an attic. <laughs> you could sit there at night, and whatever it was was running around up there. You could hear it taking steps, it was big enough that you could hear it, 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 its, its footprints. My grandma said, what do you think that is? Grandpa said, I don't know what it is, but I think it's a rat. Now, grandpa grew up on country living and, 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 and in farms, and he said, I have, I, I have seen a lot of rats, but he 
said he has never saw one where you could hear it, its, its, its footprints. While it was walking along in the, in, in, in the roof. And grandma said, let's get an exterminator out here. Well, this guy came out, really an unusual man. He said, my specialty is getting rats, and then I cook them and eat them. Sorry, thank you, brother. You see that guy? And this exterminator said his specialty was to cook them and eat them. Grandpa said, I don't care what you do with them, just get them. Well, we are describing everything to him. And he said, let me show you something. He said, this is a big rat. So we, we, had, we, had, we had like new cupboards that were solid wood. And the rat was eating holes so it could go through from one cupboard to another cupboard. And normally, a rat hole is like this. Well, this was eating holes like this. You could stick your arm through them. That's how big they were. And he said, this rat has got some serious teeth. This rat is big. I said, how did you know? He said, look how he's making holes. They are big holes. So I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to put traps out. Well, he put them out everywhere. There were huge traps. He baited them all up, came back in two days, and I said, man, I bet you got them. I bet, I bet you got the rat, because I hear those traps going off. He brought them all back down, and he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but the rat had the traps. So, Here's all, the little middle, here's all the little metal pieces, and he had the food together with the traps. I mean, some of those traps were huge, but the red added. He said, this is the first for me. And I said, well, it's a first for us too. What do we do now? He said, well, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to poison them. He said, now, whatever you do, don't let your dogs, your pets get at this stuff or any other animal. It will kill them dead. But he put these little poison wafers everywhere. A couple hundred there, and in two days, he came back. I said, I don't know how to tell you this, brother. We still hear him walking around. He went up there and he said, he went up the Arctic and he said, he has eaten all of the poisoned wafers and it appears he likes them. I said, I said, I said, I said, let me get this right. Let me get this right. He ate the traps and now he ate the poisoned wafers, right? Yes. 
I said, what do you do now? He said, well, this is my last resort. He said, I have a cat. That is the meanest cat on planet Earth. He said, I only bring the cat in as a last resort. He, he brought this cat. I have never seen a more ugly cat than this. Put the cat, brothers. Where is the cat? Look at him. He was so ugly. The only difference with this cat is this. This cat had scars on it. One ear is missing. I mean, this cat looked at me and he goes, I said, what are you going to do with that cat? He said, I'm to turn him loose up there and let the cat get the rats. Now, my grandmother said, well, boy, that sounds cruel. Well, the exterminator said, would you like to live with the rats? She says, no, let the cat do it. Now, he came back two days, two days later, the rat killed the cat. <laughs> the guy comes down holding the cat. This cat is like this. I said, I can't believe this rat. He said, I cannot believe this rat. Is it not a snake up there? He said, no, it's the rat. I said, what do you do now? He said, the only thing I know to do is to go up there and shoot him. <laughs> but now, this is country living. So he was going to use his slingshot, but the problem was there were uh, water pipes and electrical wires. And he said, I don't want to do damage. Well, he said, we got to nail it. We got to nail it. The, he climbs up there in the attic, and he comes back down, and he said, the rat is challenging me. Then later on, we had him shooting and shooting. Then he came back, and he said, do you have any water? He wanted to have a drink. It took him all day just trying to kill uh, this, uh, this rat. Uh, now, he came back and he said, well, when he brought the red down, he killed it. The board was so, was easily that length. And his teeth were so big. I said, you're going to eat him? He said, you want me to invite you? I said, no. <laughs> and he said, I've never had such a difficult rat. But he said, the choice was simple. You either get used to living with it, or you got to take drastic steps. You know what the problem with pride is? Pride is so difficult to get rid of that we get comfortable with it. I know I shouldn't feel like this, but I don't think I'm as proud as most. And God says, what I want you to do is humble yourself and resist the devil. Get rid of this world. Look at what he says to do next. Draw nigh to God, 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. All for this, for pride. You got to understand, this is an egregious sin. This sin sets God against you. I mean, it's here in the book of James. It's in the book of Peter. God says, I will resist the proud, but God says, I want you through humility to vanquish this. But you got to resist the devil, and you got to draw nigh to God. The first job that I worked for, the man that was my boss, was an incredible person, a wonderful professional. His name was Billy. And Billy taught me how to manage myself to begin with before you manage anybody else. He was brilliant. Billy wasn't served. That was the only problem. I witnessed to him and gave him all kinds of materials and things. We had a pastor who would teach us to sell books. I was just a young man. And all those glow tracks delivered to Billy. And everything I get, I go to him. I'm trying to make him my friend, but yet he was my boss. In the beginning, Billy was very polite in the beginning. But after a while, he got a little testy. Finally, Billy said, uh, Stu, look, enough is enough. He said, I got a whole bookshelf full of these books you have given me. I got two drawers full of the tracks you have given me. You have invited me out to eat now six times. It wasn't to get a meal. It was to talk to me about getting saved. He said, I've heard enough. And these were his words. I want you to stop it. I've heard enough. I said, Billy, oh, Billy, come on, man, please. I want to see you go to heaven. He said, Stuart, hear me. You bring it up one more time, I'll fire you. It was that serious. I said, Billy, I don't want you to do that. Uh, you know, but boy, I, I don't want you to miss heaven as well. I went home and I thought about how I could invite him to this other meeting that I knew was going to happen. And for some reason, Billy said, okay, but this will be my last. And that, you know, I said, we can always talk. And I said, thank you for giving me one more chance so that at least, you know, we can just listen to this new speaker around and, you know, you, you may like what you hear. There's going to be a bunch of Christian businessmen there. There will be a great speaker. It will be a great night. Just listen to what they have to say. He said, okay, I'll do it. But only on this condition, this is it, and I'm done. If I go with you to this, no more. I said, well, let's go to it, and then we'll talk later. I picked Bill up. We went to the banquet. It was a great night. Oh, it was beautiful. Great food, wonderful worship. There was more Christians, and also there were more the uh, unsaved people. 
It got time for the speaker to stand up. I'll never forget this if I live to be 100. The speaker was something else. I've never heard anybody so confused and so disorganized and a complete lack of eloquence at this speaker. He got up in front of all these men and he started by saying, I've never done this before. I've never done this. I don't think they should have asked me to do this. I told them, I'm the wrong guy for this. He repeated that three times and everybody is listening. Then he got into his notes and he kept getting confused when he was going through his notes. A little bit of wind came across they, and they flew off on the floor and he says, oh no. I will never get them organized again. I will just have to read them in the order that I pick them up. So he picks this page up. He picks this page up and it says point 0.7. Now we haven't heard of point 0.1. So it was horrible. And, 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 and he kept losing his place. He's sweating. I mean, he's coming off his forehead. He, it's getting all over his Bible, all over his papers. And I'm watching this. And I thought, I've never, never seen anything like this. Then I got ticked off. I got ticked off. And what ticked me off was none other than God. I said, God, look what you did. I brought Billy here, and this is my last chance. And now look what you brought. Do you understand what a mess this is, God? Billy gave me, this is his last chance. See what's going on around here. Now I'm sitting there with a little pad of paper, a little note, and I'm writing notes. How am I going to recover? What am I going to do? What am I going to say to Billy on the way home? How am I going to explain this goofing? How am I going to handle this? I'm thinking this by myself. Well, finally, it says in the bulletin, this guy is supposed to speak for 22 minutes. He spoke for an hour plus, And people were wanting him to wrap it up. Finally, the host says, let's conclude it now. Now, when the host says that, everybody there says, amen, let's conclude it now. He said, okay. This is what the speaker says, okay. I'm going to conclude it. Bow your heads, he said. Here's what I want to ask you, if you don't want to go to hell, and you know God ought to put you in hell, but you don't want to go to hell, and he keeps raising his voice, but you don't want to go to hell, and you don't want God to put you in hell, and you want God to save you, boy, he's really preaching. Hold your hand up. I thought he has never heard how to do it. When he said, hold your hand up, everybody there, they raised their hands up, including my friend Billy. 
And I'm busy doubting the preacher. But Billy is hearing something else. Now I'm looking at Billy. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, you don't understand. You probably think we are voting to get out of here or something. You don't have, you don't have it, right, Billy? The hands scared Billy. He said, it's obvious, the speaker. He said, it's obvious. You don't understand what I'm saying. Take your hands down, the speaker said. Take your hands down. And I said to myself, it takes forever to get those hands up. Don't say that. And he said, you don't want to go to hell. And you know God ought to put you in hell because you are a sinner. But you want Jesus to save you tonight. Hold your hand up. That's what I meant. All the hands went up again. I'm looking at my friend Billy. And now Billy's crying. Tears are coming down. And he looked at me and he said, Stu, is this what you have been trying to tell me? That God will put me in hell? I said, well, kind of, maybe, not exactly. <laughs> just kind of. That night, more than 400 men came to the altar and got saved. When it was all done, this young man, the speaker, came up to me. I knew him. He said, Brother Stewart, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I said, who boy, those papers flying? He said, yeah, but I told God, if I don't have your power, I got nothing. If I don't have your power, God, I got nothing. He said, Brother Stewart, tonight I was terrified. I was terrified tonight. But God took over. He said, they should have got somebody else to do it. And I said, no, my brother. No, my brother. God had the right man do it. Because I'm telling you, you resisted the devil and you drew nigh to God. Oh, he said, I did that, brother. I did that. I just came here by faith. But I knew this crowd was too big for me to speak to. I told God, I got to have you because I got nothing. My friends, pride makes us think we can do it. Pride makes us think we have the ability, if I just had your help a little bit, Lord, we could do a lot. And God says, stop it. Stop it. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Verse 10, and we are done. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Here's the promise. I shall lift you up. Not maybe, God says, you humble yourself. I promise you, I will lift you up. You want to see what you can do? Or you want to see what God can do? 
Notice it says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. If we are not careful, we play this game of humbling ourselves in each other's sight. The problem with that is we can fool each other. Nobody can fool God. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Draw nigh to God and he shall lift you up. I'm afraid there's been a whole bunch of things in my life that I gave it my best shot. I worked so hard, Brother Stewart. I was diligent, but it was just for me. And I want to tell you that all that's, that's all pride. What would it take for you to say, I don't want to see what I can do. I want to see what God can do. I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to live with rats. I'm not going to live with rats in my house. I'm going to draw nigh to God. He promised if I do that, he will draw nigh to me. By the grace of God, I'm going to humble myself in God's sight. And the God I serve without exception says, I will lift you up. The choice is yours today. Joey chestnuts, eating hot dogs, that's quite a feat. But spiritually, that's nothing. What would you like to see God do through you? Resist the devil. Draw nigh to God. Humble yourself and get rid of that pride. Now, the verse says, humble yourself is written in the continuum. Now, the continuum means it isn't something we do once. It's something we do and we keep doing. Humble, humble, humble. Be careful, friends, with compliments. People, to be kind, they say gracious things. Then we start thinking we are something else. No, without him, we cannot do anything. But this afternoon, I invite you. I don't want you. I don't know what you're facing. But humble yourself. Humble yourself. And my God has promised he will lift you up. To God be the glory. My friends, we are to humble ourselves before the Lord. Without him, we are nothing. Let's bow our heads as we close this. May the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us from now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.